Amen. Thank you, Brother Andy. Thank you, praise team. As Brother Andy was, was singing that song, that's another one of my, one of my favorite uh, praise and worship songs. And this week, uh, Miss Donna Daly and I had a conversation uh, about the Psalms. We were talking about how much we love the Psalms, and she was telling me about the, the Psalm that she loved. And I was telling her this week, uh, I try to read a, a Psalm a day, or at least a part of a Psalm a day. And uh, this week, I could not get out of Psalm 51. And as Brother Andy sang that song, and we were worshiping uh, in that song, it just reminded me of those words of David. Psalm 51, verse 10, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast your presence from me, or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. That, that's, that's Psalm 51, and, and that's verses uh, 10 through 12. And those verses, I had just been stuck on those verses each, each morning. Uh, when I got a break from, from running around and checking on teachers and kids and seeing what I could do to help, I'd go back in my office and I would just go to that passage and I would read that passage. And that was my prayer throughout the day each day. God created me a pure heart. God, I I just want to be closer to you. I want to be closer to your heart. And then Brother Andy sings that song this morning, and we get to worship uh, in that song. Uh, What an amazing, right? What an amazing God we serve. What an awesome Father we have, one who will, who will give us the desires of our heart when we seek Him and when we seek His will. This morning, we're going to be in Mark chapter 9. As a matter of fact, we're going to finish up Mark chapter 9. We, we've been camped out in Mark chapter 9 these last few weeks, and today, uh, we're going to conclude this chapter. And so far, in, in Mark chapter 9, we've seen three of the disciples, Peter, James, and John, we've seen them go up on that mountain of transfiguration. They saw Jesus transfigured in the glory of God. They got to see Jesus like no one else has ever seen Jesus. Uh, we've seen them come down from that mountain. They descended from that mountain. And where did they go? We talked about this last week. They went down to the valley, right? And what do we say about the valley? What waits for us in the valley? Real life. (laughs) Challenges, trials, all kinds of things wait for us in the valley. And if you'll remember when these three disciples came down off that mountain and they descended into that valley, they, they met up with the other disciples. And the other disciples, they were challenged, weren't they? We already saw this in Mark chapter 9. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees, they came against the disciples. And the disciples were challenged by an evil spirit who possessed a young boy. And if you'll remember, they tried to cast this demon out, but they could not do it. And what did Jesus tell them? The reason you couldn't do it is because you didn't pray. In other words, you relied on your own strength. You relied on your own experiences rather than relying on me rather than relying on God through prayer. And what we found out over these past couple of weeks is that our time on the mountain with Jesus is what prepares us and empowers us for our time in the valley serving in kingdom ministry. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. I believe that's what verses 30 through 50 are all about. It's all about kingdom ministry. And we're going to see some attributes, if you will, some characteristics of what kingdom ministry is all about. Uh, This week in Vacation Bible School, I saw kingdom ministry everywhere. I couldn't get away from it. Uh, Even even when I tried, I couldn't get away from it. I got to see kingdom ministry. I'm going to tell you, this is kingdom ministry. And what's beautiful about it is some people had possessions and were physically able to give, 
Some people only could pray. Some people might only be able to go and use their hands and feet to give out. But I'm going to tell you, it's all kingdom ministry. It's all kingdom ministry. And that's what we're going to see today is how God uses us, right, to advance the gospel. He uses us to plant gospel seeds in the minds and in the hearts and the lives of other people. And I'm going to tell you, we really need to understand what kingdom ministry is all about. And if you want to understand, right, if you would like a definition or a demonstration of what kingdom ministry is all about, all you got to do is look at Jesus. All you got to do is look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. All you got to do is listen to Jesus. And so I want you to dig in with me. Now, we're going to break this up into three passages, even though it's really one passage. We're going to break it up. Mark chapter 9, we're going to look at verses 30 through 32 to begin with. So let's look at verse 30. It says, they left that place and they passed through Galilee. Jesus did not want anyone to know where they were. Look at verse 31. Because he was teaching his disciples. That is so important. He said to them, the Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. They will kill him. And after three days, he will rise. Verse 32, but they did not understand what he meant, and they were afraid to ask him about it. Now, I see kingdom ministry already. Already I see kingdom ministry. You might say, well, Brother Jeff, they're, they're not talking to anybody else. They're not really doing anything. Oh, I beg to differ. They're, they're, they're talking and they're listening, and they're spending time with someone they need to spend time with. His name is Jesus. So I see kingdom ministry all in these verses. First of all, I see discipleship. You want to know what kingdom ministry is all about? Discipleship. And I believe it begins right here. I believe it begins with discipleship. Do you know what Jesus was focused on right here and right now? He was focused on being with his disciples. And the Bible says he was teaching them, right? He was teaching them. And he wanted minimal distractions. He didn't want other people following them and crowding them. Uh, listen, he was not focused on anything or anyone else at this moment. He was focused on his disciples. He wanted to teach them and give them what they needed so that they could minister for the kingdom. As we can see in this passage, like many others, Jesus was very patient with his disciples. Amen? You better say amen because you're one of them. Yeah, you better thank God for his patience. I know I do. He was patient with them. I see something else. He was repetitive with them, right? Because here's the thing. He's already told them once that he was going to die and rise again. Here he is telling them again, hey guys, I'm going to be handed over to men and I'm going to die. I'm, I'm going to be killed and I'm going to rise again. And so he was patient. He was repetitive. Many times we read that, that the disciples were confused and they did not understand, right? I, I can identify, can you? Like, like, I don't want to admit that, but there are a lot of times, right, when the Lord is speaking to me or when I read his word and I'm going, wait, what does that mean, right? Now, not just what does that mean for them in that passage, but what does that mean for me today in my home, in my church, in, in, in my workplace, in my community? What does that mean? So I'm so glad that Jesus, right, Jesus values discipleship, and he leads in discipleship. Discipleship is a part of kingdom ministry. But I also see in this passage of Scripture obedience. Do you see it? Obedience. 
This is the second time Jesus has told them why he came. He came to seek and to save the lost. He came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life what? A ransom for many. In other words, Jesus came to fulfill the plan of God the Father for mankind. He obediently walked this plan, this purpose out. Jesus was teaching his disciples, not just through his words, but through his actions, right? That if we are going to serve God in kingdom ministry, we have to obey. We have to do what the Father says do. We have to go where the Father says go. We have to say what the Father says. In the Gospel of John, I love when Jesus was talking to his disciples. Because you know his disciples, they sang a lot like that praise song that you just read the words to and you sang, right? Jesus, I just want to be closer. Jesus, I just want to know you. Jesus, I just want to be, I just want your heart, right? Well, the disciples all the time said, hey, we just want to know what the Father says. We just want to know what the Father wants. And Jesus said, if you'll listen to me, you're hearing the Father. Because I only say what the Father says. I only do what the Father says do. I only go where the Father says go. So Jesus, not just with his words, but with his actions, he demonstrated kingdom ministry through discipleship and obedience. I love this. He also shows us something else about kingdom ministry. And something that I think many times we, we struggle with. Sacrifice. Sacrifice. If you really want to be a part of kingdom ministry, let me just tell you something. It's going to cost. It's going to cost. As a matter of fact, I would even say that you can't serve in kingdom ministry without paying a price. What does, what does Jesus tell his disciples? He says, if anyone wants to come after me, what must they do? Deny themselves. Right off the bat, sacrifice. Right off the bat, deny yourself. That means you have to give up, right? You have to surrender. We sang that too this morning. Surrender, right? Not only that, he says, deny yourself and do what? Take up the cross, right? And do what? Follow me. Well, Jesus lived a life of sacrifice. Every day he was sacrificing. Sacrifice is an attribute that I believe Jesus was teaching his disciples when it comes to kingdom ministry. Jesus, his death was a sacrificial death. He died in your place and in my place. This week in VBS, those of you that were here, you know this, um, the kids are challenged, right, to bring that mission offering. It's going to help so many people. And so we challenged them, and we even made it a little fun. You know how we are with competition. Uh, we, we said, hey, boys and girls, we're going to split you up. Girls, you bring an offering. Boys, you bring an offering. Uh, and at the end of the week, we'll see who wins. And based on who wins, either Miss Heather will get a pie in her face or Brother Jeff will get a pie in his face. Well, this week, this week the boys won. I, you know, I'm just going to leave it at that. The boys won because that don't always happen. But anyway, the boys won. Well, at the last minute, everybody in that room thought Heather was going to take a pie, but I used that, I used that, that moment as a demonstration and a process of discipleship because as they got ready to pie Miss Heather, I said, wait a second. Who have you been learning about all week? And the kid said, Jesus, God. I said, that's right. And what did Jesus do? Jesus took our place. And I said, boys, I know you won, and I'm proud of you. And girls, I know you did good too. But here's the thing. Even though Miss Heather deserves a pie in her face, I'm going to take her place. And so I let, I let Peyton slam me with that, that pie, Right? And, and so I just used it as an opportunity, right? An opportunity of what? Discipleship. 
Obedience, because God laid that on my heart to do that. And sacrifice. Sacrifice. And that's what kingdom ministry is all about. Jesus, right? He lived a life of discipleship. He was pouring out onto his disciples. He lived a life of obedience. He lived a life of sacrifice. And he died a sacrificial death so that you and I, right, might have what kind of life? Full life. Abundant life. Eternal life. That's our Jesus. And that's kingdom ministry. Watch this. Verse 33, he's going to keep on teaching. Now, don't, don't forget this. I started with discipleship because discipleship never ends. He keeps on discipling through kingdom ministry. So watch this, verse 33. They came to Capernaum. When he was in the house, he asked them, what, are you, what were you arguing about on the road? So we learned something about the disciples, right? A lot of times they don't understand. A lot of times they're confused. And what else do they do all the time? They argue. <laughs> I'm better than you. No, you're not. He called me first. That's the conversation that was going on. Don't, you'll, you'll see how I know that. Verse 34. But they kept quiet <laughs> on the way. Why? Because they had argued about who was the greatest. Verse 35. Sitting down, Jesus called the twelve and said, Anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. He took a little child whom he placed among them. Taking the child in his arms, he said to them, Whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but the one who sent me. Teacher, said John, we saw someone driving out demons in your name. And we told him to stop because he was not one of us. Do not stop him, Jesus said. For no one who does a miracle in my name can in the next moment say anything bad about me. For whoever is not against us is for us. Truly I tell you, anyone who gives you a cup of water in my name because you belong to the Messiah will certainly not lose their reward. So we know that kingdom ministry is about discipleship. We we know that, that it is about sacrifice. We know that. Uh, we, we know what kingdom ministry looks like. Jesus now takes it a step further because he's teaching them, right? He's discipling them. He's talking about sacrifice. Now he's talking about humility. That's the first thing I see in this passage. Humility. As the disciples were walking on the road, they weren't just having a casual conversation. Hey, man, <laughs> how the fish been biting, right? Man, let me tell you about the deer I saw in the woods. Now, they ain't, they ain't having no casual conversation here. They were arguing. It's very clear they were arguing. And what was the topic? Who's better than who? Who is the greatest? That was the basis of their argument. And they may have thought that Jesus was out ahead of them and couldn't hear, right, what was going on or couldn't know what was going on. But this just shows how desperately they needed the discipleship. How desperately they needed Jesus to teach them and show them what kingdom ministry is all about. So Jesus teaches them a lesson on humility. Instead of rebuking them, I love this, instead of rebuking them, which he very well could have done, he gives them a statement and an example. Now, Dr. Tony Evans, I love this. He says this in his commentary. He says he didn't correct them for having a desire to be great. Rather, he corrected them in regard to the manner of becoming great. I love that. Greatness comes by being a servant to others, not by exalting yourself above others. So he wasn't, he wasn't correcting their, their wanting to be great. He was correcting their manner of becoming great. 
Because I'm going to tell you, when you look at, when you look at the letters that, that Paul wrote the churches, right? He says, whatever you do, do what? Do your best. Do it as unto the Lord and not unto men. Listen, Paul says many times in his letters, you should strive for greatness. You should strive for perfection. You should strive for holiness. All of those things are good, but, but you got to be careful of how you achieve it, right? And not just how you achieve it, but why. Why you achieve it. I hear people all the time. I heard a sermon by Pastor Joby Martin recently, and he said, you know, social media, it can be good, but it can also be so, so bad. And he said what he hates about social media is how people, when they get on there, that they look at the highlights of other people's lives, right? And he was talking about vacation. He said when people go on vacation, they take these pictures of these pretty beaches or these pretty mountains. They take a picture of this giant steak on a plate, right? What they don't take pictures of and what they certainly don't take videos of are the mamas and daddies screaming at their kids and kids going in two different directions and mamas and daddies pulling their hair out trying to take care of them. And so what we do is we begin to compare. We compare our vacation or lack of with somebody else's or we compare our household to somebody else's. Listen to me. It's okay to want to be great. Matter of fact, you should want to be great in kingdom ministry. You should want to give your best and do your best for God's glory, but not at the expense of others. And never do it in comparison to this one or that one. I think sometimes churches mess this up, right? This church wants to be like that church. That church wants to be better than that church. This pastor wants to have this, and that pastor wants... Got to stop that. We got to stop that. Jesus was teaching them about humility, about not exalting yourself above someone else. And then he, he bridges humility with service, right? It's about service. That's what it's all about, service. This is an attitude that best exemplifies kingdom ministry and kingdom discipleship. Jesus illustrates this truth with them with a child. Now, some scholars and some theologians believe this could have been Simon Peter's house that they came to. They even, some scholars, and again, I I don't believe one way or the other. I just think, okay, that's a possibility. Some think that this may have been one of Simon Peter's children that Jesus invited and put, grabbed him and put him in his, in his lap and put his arms around him. But I love what Pastor R. Kent Hughes makes because it's not just about a little child. Listen to this. In Aramaic, which is what Jesus was speaking, the word for child is the exact same word for servant. Jesus said that his disciples must receive his children, which could be interpreted as servants with open arms and love in the same way he was holding this child. There was to be no thought of precedence, who was better than who. Jesus was clear about kingdom ministry and greatness. It comes by putting others first, putting others' needs above our own. That's what Jesus said. That's humility and service coming together. That's kingdom ministry. Listen, I believe this. It wasn't about earthly accomplishment. It wasn't about earthly influence or earthly fame or earthly possessions. Jesus was teaching them and showing them, what have you given up? Right? What have you given up? What have you given away? Who have you served? Because that's greatness. Don't you love that? That's greatness. What have I given away? What have I done to lift someone else up 
even above myself. Humility and service. And not only that, after they have this conversation, John speaks up and, and you know, most of the time it's Peter speaking up, right? Usually Peter's the one that pipes off. But, but now John does, right? And John says, hey, Jesus, uh, we saw somebody trying to cast out spirits. We, we saw people trying to do things in your name and we told them to stop. What did Jesus say? Don't tell them to stop. Don't stop them. I'm going to tell you what Jesus is showing us in this passage. There's another very important aspect of kingdom ministry. You know what it is? Teamwork. Teamwork. Do you know this week at VBS, and, and listen, I wish I could take credit and say I purposefully outlined and planned all those weeks ago in the book of Mark to be on kingdom ministry the same week of VBS, but I'd be lying, so I'm not going to do it. Because I've already broken it apart about four or five different times of what I thought I was going to preach, and I cut it in half. So this was God. I mean, let me tell you what I saw this week. I saw between 125 and 140 kids this week all over this campus. But do you know what else I saw? Between 65 and 75 volunteers. I, I, listen, I've been pastor here 11 years now. I've been here as a youth pastor for... A lot of years, over half my life, I've been serving in this church. I've never seen so many people selflessly serve like I did this week. I, I just I, Listen, we've had VBS, and it's, it's gone great all the time. But I'm just telling you, people everywhere, right? Not one person in a room with 25 kids, but three or four people in a room with 25 or 30 kids. And still, that wasn't enough to me, so I got out. I tried to go to another room where maybe there was 10 or 12. Actually, I tried to make my way to the room that Miss Faye Wade and Miss Carol Thomason had because it had food in it. But what I love is I saw teamwork. Listen, as they continue to walk, Jesus, he points them into the right direction. John says, I saw this guy and he was using you. He was using your name to drive out demons. And we told him to stop. And this is what John said. Listen to what he said. He is not one of us. We need to listen, church, okay? John said he is not one of us. It's almost today a saying, well, they're not our denomination. Well, they don't believe exactly the way I believe. Well, they don't give the same amount I give. They don't do... You better stop. Because it ain't about you. And it ain't about me. And it ain't about the sign on that name outside. It's about Jesus. And it's about God's kingdom, not mine and not yours. We are a part of it because of the grace of God and the mercy of God. John said, he's not one of us. And what did Jesus say? Don't stop him. So what Jesus teaches his disciples, and I believe what Jesus is teaching us today, is that kingdom ministry is about teamwork. Anyone who is in Jesus and doing miracles in Jesus' name is for them, not against them. That's what Jesus said. I don't care if he looks like you. I don't care if he talks like you. I don't care. I don't care if he dresses like you. I don't care if he eats like you. I don't care if he fishes like you. But I'm going to tell you something. If he serves God, right, if he is in me and I am in him, he is for us, not against us. And you ought to be applauding. We ought to applaud when churches are reaching people with the gospel and baptizing people, not going, well, I bet they did this or I bet they did that. Who, who made us judges? We ought to be applauding 
when people are serving God and praising Jesus and glorifying God. Even, listen, it doesn't matter if they do it the way we do it. It doesn't matter if all they sing is hymns or all they sing is worship or if they got a guitar or if they don't. Because if they got Jesus, that's all that matters. That's it. I could sit here and worship all day long with Brother Andy singing with just his voice. It's about my heart, prepared and ready to worship the one who deserves my worship, not the instrument or the tool. And I find many times that's what we do. We're worshiping an instrument or a tool instead of the one who guides and uses the instrument and the tool. And so Jesus is teaching them all about teamwork, teaching them all about teamwork. Jesus teaches them that kingdom, kingdom ministry is not some exclusive A-list team. It is an anyone who denies themselves, takes up the cross, and follows me team. That's what, that's what kingdom ministry is all about. Anyone who preaches Jesus and glorifies Jesus and lifts up God, they are for us, not against us. And the reward comes from God, not man. Amen? It comes from God, not man. Jesus goes on. So we're, we're seeing all kind of kingdom ministry here, right? Discipleship, service, sacrifice, humility, teamwork. He ain't done. Kingdom ministry ought to, it must be pretty important, huh? Because he sure is taking a long time to focus on it. Kingdom ministry. Verse 42. If anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble... It would be better for them if a large millstone were hung around their neck and they were thrown into the sea. If your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life maimed than with two hands to go into hell. And if your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life crippled than to have two feet and be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to stumble, pluck it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than two eyes and be thrown into hell. And pay attention to this, verses 48 through 50, where the worms that eat them do not die. He's teaching us about hell. So pay attention. Where the worms that eat them do not die and the fire is not quenched. Everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good. But if it loses its saltiness, how can you make it salty again? Have salt among yourselves and be at peace with each other. Now, I see, I see three more attributes, three more principles of kingdom ministry, and we'll close. First of all, I see focus. Focus. If you want to be a part of kingdom ministry and you really want to glorify God, you better be focused. You better have focus. When our focus is on the pleasures of this world, we will be tempted to feed those pleasures. The hand represents things that we can grab, right? Things of this world, tangible things that we can put our hands on to feed our own desires and pleasures. The feet, right? The foot, it represents places we go. Wherever we go, are we going to glorify God or are we going to feed our own desire? The eye, it represents things that we look at. Things that we look at, that's what it does. Jesus was not insisting that, that we take part in self-mutilation. That's not what he was saying. He wasn't saying maim yourself. What Jesus was putting emphasis on was the spirit. I love this because Paul, and I didn't put this on the screen, but just listen. Paul says this in Romans 8, 13. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. Did you hear that? 
If you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if you live by the Spirit, and if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, then you will live. That's what Paul says in Romans chapter 8, verse 13. We need to keep our focus. We need to keep our eyes on Jesus. We need to put our hands on things that Jesus put his hands on. We need to let our feet go to places that Jesus went. When we give God all of our hearts and all of our desires, his spirit will lead God and direct us. And all we got to do is say, yes, Lord, yes. I'll go where you want me to go. I'll say what you want me to say. I'll do what you want me to do. I'll put my eyes on the things that you want me to put my eyes on. I believe if we are living with our focus on the flesh, then what we are doing is we are leading and causing new believers, right, to sin. I believe that. To stumble in their faith. That's what it means. And Jesus says if we do that, what would be better? It'd be better if we cast a, a big stone on our neck and be cast into the sea. Right? That's what he says. You better be careful. In other words, listen, if you want to be a part of kingdom ministry, you better be focused. You better make sure you got your eyes on Jesus because you're going to be tempted to do what? Take your eyes off of Jesus and put it on something or someone else. And when you do that, if you got little ones around you, and I'm not just saying little ones like children, I'm talking about new believers, right? Young believers who are trying to be discipled. How are you discipling them? Are you discipling them towards the ways of the world? Or are you discipling towards the ways of the Lord? You better have focus. I also see fear. Now, when I say the word fear, how many of you immediately thought something negative? Anybody? Okay, if you didn't raise your hand, I'll give you time to repent. Because um, usually when the word fear is spoken or read, you immediately think something bad. You think something negative. In Romans 3.18, Paul actually quotes David's words from Psalm 36.1. David said, there is no fear of God before their eyes. David was looking out at this world and looking out at how sin had just separated us from God, separated us from each other. He was looking at the, the, just the, the turmoil that was caused by sin, and, and he came to a conclusion, there is no fear of God before their eyes. Now, now, of course, like I said, fear is a word that we normally associate as the negative, but when it comes to the fear of God, that's a good fear. That's a good fear. I'm going to tell you, that's a fear you ought to have. That's a fear you ought to go to bed with, and that's a fear you ought to wake up with. And that's a fear you ought to walk with all day long. The fear of the Lord leads to what? Understanding. The fear of the Lord leads to wisdom, right? And that's what I want. I don't know about you, but that's what I want. I want to understand who I am in Christ and where I'm supposed to go and what I'm supposed to do in Christ. I I want wisdom. I want to be able to make choices, make decisions each and every day in my home, in my workplace, in my community that glorify God and not me. I need understanding and wisdom. The Bible says fear is what leads that fear of the Lord. I love Holman Bible Dictionary's definition of fear. Listen to this. According to Holman Bible Dictionary, fear, when it comes to God, denotes our terror, our honor, our submission, and our worship. For those who are enemies of God rather than followers, terror is the only, is the only thing that shows fear. The proper response of fear from believers is one of respect, reverence, and awe. 
As believers, we realize that God is creator and sustainer of all things. And so we fear God respectfully. We, we fear God reverently. And I love this. We fear the reality of hell. I'm going to ask you a simple question. When you wake up each day, right? When you wake up each day, do you understand the reality of hell? I mean, really. Is that part of your understanding? Is that part of your, part of your mindset when you disciple in your home? When, when you disciple here and disciple there? Is the reality of hell, is that something that, that, that you understand? Because Jesus takes a moment here in this passage, I believe he wants them to understand the truth about God's wrath and the reality of hell. In Mark chapter 9, verse 48, that's what we see. The reality of hell. Jesus speaks about and teaches about hell more than anybody else. Did you know that? Go, go read your Bible cover to cover. Jesus talks about hell more than anybody else did combined. Why do you think he talks about hell so much? You want to know why? Because hell is real. How many of you have read the book, Heaven is, is for Real? You ever read that book? It's a good book. I've read it, okay? I wouldn't say live my life by it, but it's a good book, okay? But somebody needs to write a book that says hell is real too. Because there's so many people that says, well, God is love, and because God is love, he would never send someone to hell. You're right. He would never send someone to hell, but he gives me and you the freedom to choose him or reject him. That's what he does. He loves us so much that he gives us freedom to choose free will. Right? Free will. We can choose to embrace God as Father through repentance of sin and faith and trust and belief in Jesus Christ, or we can reject God. Hell is real. Matter of fact, I love this. Jesus, I love this. He teaches that hell is a place of torment and suffering both internally and externally. I love this, right? Because when we think of hell, I think sometimes we think of Satan up there with the pitchfork, like he's in control. I'm going to tell you something. Hell was for Satan, not as, a, not as a commander, okay, but as someone who suffers the wrath of God, okay? And I, and I think sometimes when we think of hell, we think, oh, burn my skin, oh, fire. Oh, it's more than that. I love this. Jesus, he's quoting Isaiah. And don't you love that when Jesus, right? When Jesus speaks, just remember this. He is the Word, right? Speaking the Word. <laughs> that blows my mind. It's the Word become flesh, quoting himself. Quoting the Word that was spoken through a prophet. It blows my mind. Isaiah 66, 24 says, The worms that eat them. You know what that means, the worms that eat them? The worms were about internal suffering. Internal suffering. Separated from God, knowing the truth, right? Knowing the truth. I rejected God. I rebelled from God, and I will, I'll be separated from Him forever. The worm will never stop eating. That's what the Bible says. Let me tell you something about hell. It is eternal. It is eter- Just as heaven is eternal, hell is eternal. There, there is a death that won't stop. There is a dying that won't stop. You know, when I was 16, my dad died of a heart attack. I, as a matter of fact, I hadn't yet turned 16. My dad died of a heart attack. His, his heart stopped beating, right? I mean, it just stopped beating. The blood stopped flowing. We had a funeral. We dug a hole in the ground. We buried his body, okay? But praise God, my daddy believed in Jesus Christ, 
right? And even though that physical body died and there was an end, right? His life did not end because he had life in Christ and it is eternal. I'm going to tell you, death is eternal too. And those who reject Jesus Christ, those who rebel against God and reject God, oh, it won't just be a heart stop beating in your chest, put you in the ground. It'll be complete separation from God in a place called hell where the worms never stop feeding. Internal. He goes on and says, the fire is not quenched. Again, quoting Isaiah. You know what that fire not being quenched is? It's the external suffering. So you're going to suffer from within and from without. And neither will end. It is eternal suffering. I'm going to tell you something. There is a good fear. And it is called the fear of God. Knowing that He is God and I am not. Knowing that God is, yes, a God of love, but He's also a God that brings wrath. Knowing that there's a God who created life and sustains it. That's a good fear. And that's part of kingdom ministry. And then finally, there's, there's flavor. Flavor. You're going, what are you talking about, Brother Jeff? Well, just hang with me. Jesus teaches his disciples about salt. That's not the first time. He's, he's done this before. In the Old Testament books of Exodus and Leviticus, do you know what salt was used for? Does anybody know what salt was used for? It was used for temple sacrifices. Go look at it. The book of Exodus, the book of Leviticus. They used salt for temple sacrifices. And so as Christ followers, we are to live a life of sacrifice. I've already, I've already gone through that in this passage, right? Kingdom ministry is about sacrifice. Here's Jesus talking about salt. And, and he's looking at it, I believe he's looking at it in a twofold way. He's saying salt was used, right, in sacrifices, Temple sacrifices. And so sometimes we are going to suffer trials. Sometimes we are going to suffer in this life. But we do so with the knowledge that Jesus also suffered. And he suffered once and for all. I believe Jesus wanted, to, wanted us to associate salt with suffering. But I also believe Jesus wanted us to know that the salt was about flavor. See, in the New Testament, I love this, in the New Testament we see salt serve several purposes. Number one, it was a medicine. Salt was used as a medicine. Not only that, number two, it was used as a preservative. But it was also used as a seasoning. How many of you love some salt on your, on your steak? Love, love some salt on your chicken? Love some salt on your fish? Yeah, I, I eat a little too much salt. I've been trying to cut back. Why? Because, man, that stuff's good. It tastes so good. I'm going to tell you something. As Christ followers, we are His vessels of peace to the world that we live in. And it's almost as if Jesus is saying, hey, you guys need to live salty. You need to live with a flavor, right? A flavor that when people are around you, they go, man, I like him. Man, I like her. Man, I like what he has to say. Man, I like what she has to say. Man, I like the way she serves. Or I love the way he serves, right? With some flavor, right? Jesus says, what good is salt if it loses its saltiness? Now, in another passage, we know what he says about it, right? It's thrown out and trampled on, right? That's no way for you and I to live as Christ followers. We should live with the flavor of peace. Isn't that what he says right here? We should be at peace. Not just with one another, but with the world in which we live in, we should offer peace and love and mercy and grace and sacrifice and humility and discipleship. You want me to keep going? I think I've, I think I've exhausted it. 
Like we, this is kingdom ministry. But more than that, and I close with this, I, here's the truth about kingdom ministry. Number one, kingdom ministry. What's the first four letters of kingdom? King. Kingdom ministry is always about the king. And that's, that's the big X many times for the Christ follower in the church. Kingdom ministry is not about Brother Jeff. Kingdom ministry is not about Start Baptist Church. Kingdom ministry is not about how much money you got in your bank or how comfortable your seat is or if the air conditioner is working or not. Kingdom ministry is always about the king. It's never about me and it's never about you. And when it becomes about me and it becomes about you, it's not about the king. And so guess what? It's no longer labeled kingdom ministry. If it's about you and about me, it ain't kingdom ministry. (laughs) Kingdom ministry is always about the king. And I'm going to tell you something else about kingdom ministry. Kingdom ministry is always, always, always about the king's glory on display for others to see through you and me. I've said it before. I love Paul. I love his letters. Matter of fact, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 talking about, you know, Marriage and singleness, Paul. But I love Paul because Paul made it very clear, right? We are God's ambassadors. As though God were making his message through us. We are God's, hey, VBS people. Ephesians 2.10 says we are God's what? That is so weak. Because if you was at a ball game right now cheering your team on, Man, the other city would have heard you. Ephesians 2.10 says we are God's workmanship. Somebody went to VBS. (laughs) That's right. We are God's workmanship, right? Created in Christ Jesus. Don't miss that. Created in Christ Jesus for what? Good works. Good works for who? Him who created us, right? That's who we are. That's what Paul says. You are God's ambassadors. You are God's workmanship. You were created in Christ Jesus to do good works, kingdom ministry that glorifies your king. You can do that. I can do that. And whether that's through our finances, or whether that's through our time, whether that's through our prayers, or whether that's through our hands and our feet, active service, listen to me, any and all. Sometimes you'll get to do all of it. Sometimes you'll, you'll, you'll sacrifice financially. You'll sacrifice with your time. You'll sacrifice through prayers. And you'll sacrifice through going. Great. But I ain't going to bash or compare anybody for one or the other or all of the above. You know what I'm going to do? Thank you for praying. Thank you for donating. Thank you for going and giving out. We need to celebrate. Celebrate the teamwork that takes place. And kingdom ministry. And I'll tell you what else we need to do. We need to point people to Jesus. And not to Brother Jeff. Or Sermon. Or not to start Baptist Church to enroll. Oh, come on. We, we, we need you to plug in and serve here. Oh, yeah, we need you to tithe. We got stuff we want to do. Goodness gracious. Just stop. Stop focusing on you and me and us and focus on Jesus. Because here's the thing. If we focused on Jesus and we are God's workmanship, doing good works for His glory, I'm going to tell you what He's going to do. He's going to take care of people and places and stuff because He knows it's being used for who? Him. Him and His glory.
Isn't it amazing how we mess this up? <laughs> and you want to know why? It's because sometimes we grab a hold of things we shouldn't be grabbing a hold of. It's because sometimes we take our feet in this direction when we should have stood still or went the other way. Sometimes it's because we put our eyes on this when we should have had our eyes on, on this. Kingdom ministry. Are you a part of that? Do you want to be a part of it? Mark chapter 9, verses 30 through 50. Find out what it's all about, pray about it, and then jump headfirst into it. It's a beautiful thing. Amen.